0: Thank you for joining us for Still Speaking, a podcast from Ivanhoe Congregational Church. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. We are a United Church of Christ in Mundelein, Illinois, and an open and affirming congregation. This podcast aims to explore scripture through conversation with the purpose of discovering new insights and enhancing individual faith practices. God is still speaking, and we are all listening to discern a message for today, and deepen our faith.
1: Welcome to episode seven of the podcast. This is surprising investment. I'm your host, Shelly Grow. Here with me is Pastor Chris. Chris, what are we talking about today?
0: So the the theme comes from the prophet Jeremiah. We're in the thirty second chapter where Jeremiah. Makes a, a down payment on the future. The theme of hope is important, um, but I thought we might spend some time introducing um, what I think the the prophet is up to. Going to some study materials about prophetic tasks. What a what a prophet is to do. So, for uh, the beginning of the book of Jeremiah, we hear Jeremiah as a as a bringer of of doom and gloom, and he says bad things are going to happen, and nobody likes him, and he's preaching in uh, the temple and gets arrested. So the beginning of our scripture story today has Jeremiah in prison and and still is making a proclamation on behalf of God and and a promise of hope for good things to come. So this guy who was saying bad things are going to come um, then comes to a point here where we see some hope that, that something good can come afterwards. What I'd like to share, some introductory work um, from Walter Brueggemann, who says that the three urgent prophetic tasks are reality, grief, and hope. And the cover of this book has a, a stoplight. So we have a, a red, yellow, and green uh, stoplights. Um, so so the prophet brings a sense of reality. So the red light says, stop. Stop what you're doing. This is... is Uh, turning you away from God. The word sin means separation. So the prophet's saying, stop what you're doing. It's not good for you. It's not good for your community. It's not good for your relationship with God. Stop and look at the reality of what's going on here. Uh, The the yellow light, which um, sometimes people mean, uh, hurry up, the red light's coming. Sometimes it means slow down. Sometimes it means proceed with caution. I think all those are 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 true about grief, that when we're going through a sense of loss, we need to slow down and face that and proceed with caution that, that we need to be attentive to, to what's going on in our life. And then of course the green light is hope that, that there's good news of, of a future with hope. So in, in the midst of despair in the, at once the prophet has us facing reality that, that not everything is good. Um, brings us to the point of of some of that grief oftentimes we're faced with with despair or depression and so in that time of despair the prophetic task is to articulate hope and in this situation there's actually not only a declaration but also an action of hope for the future because we believe that there will be a goodness that comes from God um, so Walter Brueggemann in this book uh, categorizes a whole bunch of, of acts of hope, and I thought I might um, share some of them with you and you can tell me your, your thoughts about this. Okay. So hope is a tenacious act of imagination. It often comes through a dream or an oracle or a narrative or a song that's rooted in in God's authority and God's purpose. So we often hear about things that happen in dreams. We hear about things that come from prophets as as an oracle. This one ends with a thus, thus saith the Lord type of thing um throughout the history of the bible we we hear that in story we hear that in song we hear that in the psalms um but it's always about that god's going to have a a, a good purpose to come that's does that make sense in terms mm-hmm. of hope okay it also um has to do with imagination so that's you know often where where dreams come from or or good stories capture our imagination it it's an act of playful imagination it oftentimes isn't isn't s- so um defined it often has has openness it it makes a a suggestion but it's not always so clear right that's kind of how uh, dreams work it there's there's a suggestion but um not so much clear through that imagination it's given in an imaginative way because it's beyond what we know so that's that's kind of the power of imagination right it's do i need to say more about that what do you think about so we don't really know because it's not true today, but it might be true tomorrow. But it—that's it, the—we the, need that power of imagination to pull us beyond what we know, what we see. So the red light of reality, we—we we can't, we can't really have any hope in this terrible situation. But we want to have that hope because it's not what we know today. The reality of my situation is I don't have a job. I want to get a job. Reality of my situation is my loved one just got a, a terrible diagnosis. I, I hope that the surgery will work. I hope that the treatment will work, but I that's not what I know today. Um, so it's enacted with a tenacity that the poet has defied reality and settled authority in order to voice a reality that's beyond the present. So so that's an audacious claim. It, it, oftentimes the prophet says, this is the word of God, and, and we'll hear it in this scripture. So the prophet is the one who dares to speak with such a future that is beyond all evidence. So all evidence to the contrary in this situation, bad things are happening. The prophet's sitting in jail. The whole country is is being sieged by an enemy army. The the land's going to be taken over. The people are going to lose their homes. Yet the hope is that one day this will be their homeland again. So for Jeremiah, it's all about forming a new covenantal community. And I think the importance for us today is because... I think that ministry is all about hope, um, that hope is the way that we do our ministry, and, and, it, and it pulls on us. Uh, hope is the power that, that tugs us into the future because, because doing work for good is, is an urgent need, but even more than urgent, it's the way that we, we nurture this power of imagination um, which gives hope filled possibilities and when we speak about them, we can think about thoughts that are even beyond our current thoughts and beyond the ways that we currently know and and I think that's that's the powerful stuff that I see in in the need of of the prophet any thoughts questions about that
1: not at this time, although you know we'll definitely circle back to it after we read through the scripture.
0: Okay, so you're ready for mm-hmm. Jeremiah chapter 32. We're going to have uh, portions of verses 1 through 3 and then 6 through 15. So the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of King Zedekiah of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. At that time, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem. And the prophet Jeremiah was confined in the court of the guard that was in the palace of the king of Judah, where King Zedekiah of Judah had confined him. So he had been arrested by his own king and stuck in prison. Jeremiah said, the word of Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of your uncle Shalom, is going to come to you and say, buy my field that is at Anathoth, for the right of redemption is by purchase is yours. So that's the word that came to him. And then that exact thing happened. Then my cousin Hanamel came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, "'Buy my field that is at Anath in the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for myself.' Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord, and I bought that field from my cousin Hanamel and weighed out the money to him, seventeen shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on the scales." Then I took the sealed deed of purchase, containing the terms and conditions, and the open copy, and I gave the deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Neriah, son of Masiah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel, in the presence of the witness who signed the deed of purchase, in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard. In their presence I charged Baruch, saying, Thus says the Lord, God of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both the sealed deed of purchase and the open deed, and put them in an earthenware jar in order that they may last for a long time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. That, that ends the reading.
1: quite the detailed process. is quite the detailed process. <laughs> I know we've talked sometimes before about um, the use of repetitive words in some of these scriptures. And this one, um, I mean, you could easily reduce the word count by a third. Absolutely. <laughs> With some fine editing. So what do you think the purpose is of, of providing that much detail of the transaction and the prophecy itself?
0: So the, the details of the transaction, I think, show all of the important things that this was uh, something legal and I think showing all of those legal details show just how absurd this situation is. So not only is this guy sitting in prison because he had been prof- prophesying against his own people that they were doing something wrong, and that's why this enemy was coming in and taking over, but but in the face of all of this, knowing that, that their country's being besieging, knowing that, that they're going to lose their land, knowing... That most likely they're going to be taken away into exile, that he does this this absurd thing. you know, um, didn't she live in Arizona at one time? So he, he did. buys oceanfront property in Arizona, right? So he buys land in a country that is about to fall. Why in the world would he do this? He does this because he his job now after telling the people to repent and and turn and stop their ways is now to give them hope that one day they would come back into this land and that they'd be able to live and, and find uh, a home and prosperity. So this goes back to a, a code in Leviticus. This happens in other uh, parts of the Bible. We hear similar stories about this. So the, the word redemption here is not solely a, a theological idea about uh, renewing a relationship. It's It's owning property. So it comes from Leviticus chapter 25 that says if if one of your kin, one of your family members falls into difficulty, has to sell a piece of property, they should sell it to their next of kin to to redeem that lamb to keep it within the family. So he was he was doing something that he thought he had to do. He was doing his duty to his family.
1: Got it. Okay, that's interesting background. So <clears throat> this all happened a very long time ago. It um you know, certainly I think we can think about some relevance in terms of um, the housing market, but what, what do you see as the real comparison to takeaways for our life today?
0: So I think that, that sometimes um, we have to make a, a down payment for the future. Sometimes we can't see the fullness of a picture today, but we have to act in faith. We have to act out of hope in order to secure something good for tomorrow. You can look at this in a, in a variety of, of things. There's been a lot in the news and a lot in recent conversations about the environment and and specifically young people calling us as older people to help them to secure a future. So what do we need to do today to, to bring a good future for our children and our children's children? Um, certain communities talk about like kind of seventh generation thoughts about not only our, our children and our children's children, but but what will go to that next generation and and i think that's a theological concept because um not only do we need to have hope for the future but we need to remember where all these gifts come from so that that code in leviticus that tells the family to take care of their other family member just before that god says the land shall not be sold into perpetuity because the land is mine and and you are but aliens and tenants and to think that um everything we have is a gift from God, and it's really just on loan to us. Um, that's where the whole concept of stewardship comes in—that we're just, we're just managers. We're we're taking care of of this life and this land that we have. It, it it doesn't really belong to us. It belongs to God.
1: As I was reading through this, I was trying to think of examples of um, how we, you know, on a regular basis, make bets on the future. Marriage was one that came Absolutely. to mind. Um, Just that, you know, obviously you enter into this relationship and um, legal binding, you know, relationship with somebody with the hope that it will bring future blessings, whether that be, you know, children or travel or whatever your dreams are together, you know, future learning and growth. Um, And then also very specifically, it made me think of a vacant home that my husband and I purchased several years ago. Um, in the hopes, not necessarily for financial gain, but just that it would be a project that ultimately brought us in the community closer together. And so, um, I think that we we find these examples in a lot of things that we do that aren't always necessarily rational purchases or decisions at the moment. But it's it is with that root that it will bring um, a greater experience or um, a gift for others.
0: And those those are great connections to make Uh, i'm hoping that our our listeners are are making those connections of their own because we don't need to limit this in terms of of real estate you know i think the story and all those details are are about doing something um real and, and tangible, something that we can touch something that we can see but there's so many other things that we really need to do just with our heart and our mind to make a decision that um that, that like you were talking about relationships, you know, that this, this friend or, or this trip I want to take or, or this, uh, new thing that I want to learn or study or, uh, this book I want to read that, that this is something worthy of my time and, and will help not only with, uh, goals I set for myself, but will help me grow as a person. Um, all of those things that, that we really can't put our finger on, but we know are, are so important for our spirits. (laughs)
1: Right. <laughs> um I, I was talking with somebody earlier this morning about how, you know, there are certain things that we often dream about, to your point earlier, about the imagination. And um, some of those, if there's a recurring thing that you imagine for your life, you need to stop and address it. And whether it's just to say, you know, do do I just need to put that to rest, or is there a reason that it keeps coming back to me? And should I act on it? And that's I just found that interesting based on what you were saying.
0: So the ideas of uh, redemption, uh, the the theme of hope that I think is is so important for for me and and my work as as a minister for our work together as a church for for every individual you can't do anything without hope and and that's what I love about this story and I think there there's power in in taking those steps and and what this story tells us is is kind of a physical thing to do that helps you lean forward and to step into the future um, but for each and every one of us you know it does take an act it takes an investment. To, to believe and to, to, and to live out our hope.
1: Great. Thank you very much for that thought, peace, and conversation.
0: Shall I wrap this up with prayer?
1: Yes, please.
0: God, we give thanks for all the ways that you bring hope into our lives, and we ask that you might help us to, to trust you deeply that in our life and in our actions and in our living together as a community, we might be people who are bold to declare our hope is in you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, listeners, for joining us for this podcast from Ivanhoe Congregational Church. We are a 19th century church founded in 1838, but we want to be relevant for the 21st century. This podcast is One Attempted at Outreach. We hope you will join us for worship in Mundelein, Illinois, on any Sunday morning at 10 a.m. where you can be part of our gathered community. We aim to offer a warm welcome and a meaningful message. We also welcome your feedback. You can find us on Facebook or visit our website at IvanhoeChurch.org. That's I-V-A-N-H-O-E Church.org. Blessings to you with grace and peace.